Yeah, man. Welcome to Cobb's Corner. I'm your host, Jarvis Cobb, and I have a very special guest with me today, man. This man right here. This man is a father. This man is a husband. This, he's a man of God. He's a man of the people. He's one that will go into the into the ground and into the dirt with the people and do the work that needs to be done. I mean, he's just an all-around good dude. Ever since I was a kid, he's always been someone that I can look up to. Mr. Roger Simmons. What's going What's on, going sir? On you, How you feeling? Doing good. Man. Yeah? Doing real good. Everything yeah. blessed? Yeah, man. I'm blessed, man. I'm grateful. That's what I I'm like. I'm grateful, there, man. man. That's what I like there. Oh, no. Actually, let's just start there. What's, what's something that's right in front right now for you that you're grateful for? Man, I think, first of all, man, um, definitely grateful for the Lord and yeah. grateful for my family, man. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Um, having a wife, having kids, right. you know, being able to be in a position where I can provide for them. Yeah. Um, being able to interact, have time with my kids. Yeah. You know, it's a good thing. You know? What ages are they at now? My, daughter four, my daughter's 14 and okay. my son is 10. Mm, yeah, very yeah. personality ages. Yep, they exactly. they doing a lot on their own right exactly. now. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. They coming, man. Yeah, oh man, <laughs> they coming. <laughs> How's that changed you actually with the kids coming up? I think, man, um, as they're changing, I'm seeing I have to change. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I can't continue to you know treat Josiah like he was when he was five. True. And Abigail when she was like ten. True. You know they're changing and. And they're unique in who they are, mm. and I have to engage them differently than I did when they were much younger. Yeah, true. So the challenge is me to change. You know what I mean? They gonna change, but <laughs> yeah, right, am I gonna right. change? You know what I mean? I'm much older now, so that's sometimes you get set in your own ways. Yeah. But yeah, that's the challenge. Is that if, if I'm gonna change? See, I'm always asking because I know me and my wife are gonna have kids at some right. point, and I'm always curious of how how the process goes yeah. and how much you actually have to try to evolve correct to, to raise the kids the best way you want to raise them most definitely yeah most definitely man. so let's start from the beginning with you though uh yeah. i know you grew up in elgin right you grew correct. up on the west side that's right west side um, man west side, see, i'm the east side, side man west side, side the best man. side I'm east side all day man <laughs> elgin room all day but uh so you uh end up going to judson that's correct what did you study I studied Christian religion philosophy. Okay. Biblical studies. Okay. Yep. And then uh, you went and got your master's after that? I got my master's like years after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got my master's in intercultural studies. Okay. At Wheaton College. Huh. Intercultural yeah. studies. And what, yeah. what, what, what would you say pulled, what you pulled the most from that, the intercultural studies? I think that um, what was interesting about that program is that it was really, I was studying something that I loved. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like studying culture. Yeah. When I was younger, I've always been fascinated by different cultures and mm -hmm. nations and mm -hmm. people's groups, um, even since, ever since I was in grammar school. So, you mm -hmm. know, just being able to be in a position where I can study it and be able to learn it in depth, yeah. you know, um, it's been just a blessing, man. Yeah. That's cool. Most man. definitely. And then in Elgin, I know you were uh, at Bethesda, the church I grew up in. Right. Um, what were your roles there? I don't even know. If, I, I know you were kind of coming up in the ranks a little bit in Bethesda, for a while. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know what your roles were. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, you know, Bethesda, Church of God in Christ, yeah, the nomination. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's a protocol. You know how it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I came in, came in as a minister okay. when I was 18. And then really? I started, <clears throat> then I became an elder. I was ordained as an elder yeah. when I was 23. Huh. And so you're looking at, at 23, then from that point, you know, I eventually became like 
the assistant. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. the second assistant, you know, to pass the marks. Yeah. And Elder, Elder, Elder Willie Lockett at that time. Willie Lockett. Willie Lockett. remember the late Willie Lockett. He always so. had the cool slick back no right here with the <laughs> curl jacket. <laughs> he no was doubt. always nice, man. Most definitely. Yeah. Man. You know, while we on that, you know, you think of it that Pastor Morris is like a father figure to all of us. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? He was yeah. definitely a father figure. So he took me on his wings. Yeah. Mentored me. You know, um, you know, you're around the church, you always work with your hands. Pastor Morris always oh, had work. He's gonna have you working. Yeah. No doubt. You're gonna lay some bricks. You lay some bricks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I started off, you know, I was I was a doorkeeper, you know, I was a usher. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I took pride in that. Oh yeah. You know, didn't have to clean out the bus, maybe I had to clean the bus out. Yep. Yeah. You know, had to, you know, clean the carpet, you know. So it was a hands-on. So that's where you got a lot of your entry grunt work. Most definitely. Really understanding what goes into building the ministry. Yes. Mm. Yes. And now. Pastor Morris always say it wasn't about the titles. Yeah. It's about being a servant. Yeah. It's about absolutely. serving the people. Absolutely. You know, and, and he modeled that. And now you, I know you said you came in at 18, and Correct. you kind of spoke about at 17, you didn't throw your life away. Can you, yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? Can yeah. you share a little bit of that? Yeah, when I was 17, Jairus, you know, growing up, I, lived, I grew up in Clifford Court. Yeah. You know, it's the community from down under, yep. you know, so yep. tucked away. You know, you've been there. Oh, yeah. And um, when I was 17, man, at that time, man, drugs began to really flood our community. Mm. There's always drugs, you know, here and there, people doing right. different things, but right. it began to come in like a flood, man. Mm. You know, after we seen that movie, Scarface came out, yeah, man. Yeah. Everybody wanted, you know what I mean? <laughs> everybody wanted the king of the world. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? Boy. Everybody saying, say hello to my little friend, you know? So, you know, it, it just became like, you know, I was presented with opportunity, you yeah. know, to, to go that route, mm. you know? And um, I was offered several times, yeah. you know, and then, you know, I had a friend in the community, Shondell, yep. who was always in my ear about yeah. coming to church. Hmm. And then, you know, Jarvis, what happened that I, I actually fell into a depression really? when I was 17. And it would look different because I was always afraid to go to school, go to go to sleep in my own room. You know huh. what I mean? I was afraid when it was at night. You yeah. know? Um, I don't know, something about night and I was very depressed and I was on the verge of dropping out of high school. You know, a lot uh, of people don't know that I was on yeah. the verge. And if I would have dropped out, I really didn't know what I was going to do next. Right, yeah. The streets was calling, you know. Yeah, that I mean, that, that, that definitely, I had a, a job in the streets. Right. I could sell drugs. Right. So I was faced with that at 17. I was very close to dropping out. Very mm. close to dropping out, man. Um, really, the only class I was passing at that time was PE. You know, yeah. all you have to show up for PE. <laughs> right. You know you what I mean? Show so up, put your everything your else. Uniform on. Exactly. You, you know, you get an A. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kick the ball, you get an A. So. Yeah. So I was at a, at a point, at a crossroad. Yeah. So I could have easily went down that road to selling drugs, which mm -hmm. we know that, that that leads. Then I had another road that was presented to me because Shondell was inviting me to church. Yeah. So I did not, I was stuck. I didn't know where to go. Yeah. And um, took a trip down south, man, to visit my dad. Mm. Changed my life. What pops had today? Man, went down, man. My pops, man, was in church, a godly man. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to cuss. I didn't grow up in church. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, I go to church and I'm sitting in there. And that was the first time I felt convicted. Like, I felt like, man, I need to make a change. Hmm. And I had to make that change right in there in Arkansas. But right. when I came yeah. back, I came back with a conviction. Yeah. So I told Shondell I went to church. I said, man, you know, I go to church, man. You know, but I ain't going to go there hitting on those girls. Right. Yeah. But that's why he was inviting me. Yeah. And man, my life changed forever, man. Shook past Smart's hand. Yeah. You know, he looked me in his eye, looked me in my eye, and it's just like, you know, 
with, with great interest. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I came back, man, and before you know it, man, my life was changed. I gave my life to the Lord. And, wow. Man, you know, I went back to school, ended up finishing high school. Okay. And after high school, I went right into, you know, college. Mm. So hey, 17 was a, was a, what, that, that was a pivotal point for me when I was 17. And you, and from that point, you kind of figured out what you were going to do. You didn't necessarily know what it would be, but you knew that you were going to be of service. So you was going to do something as far as through the church or mm -hmm. did that, is that something that came later once you got to college? Yeah. Um, I think once by my senior year in high school, okay. I knew that I felt, I felt called I had a desire to really serve people yeah. in the area of ministry, yeah. you know. And then I went into college. I ended up studying in that field. Yeah. And, um, of course, I got a lot of my practical hand-on at Bethesda. Right. Bethesda was a school for me right. as yeah. well. And so I had the college and I had my, my studies at the, um, at the church. So I didn't know fully what it was, Jarvis. Mm. I didn't know fully, like, what is all that God had for me? And yeah. I don't think anyone really do know. Yeah. Even at this point, I can tell you fully what was ahead of me. Which I know you do a lot with kids. So I, I'm doing this part so they can see that yeah. you took an opportunity Correct. that you necessarily wasn't looking for the money in it. Right. You wasn't looking for all the, the, the glamour right. and the exposure. Right. It, was, it was a secondary school for you. Yes, it was. Something that built you for five years, yes, six years. Yes. And just to show the importance of Accepting something that may not be for the money right now. Correct. But it, it can it can build you to when you are 26, 27, 30, you're ready to go because you have those foundational skills. Most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. I think that one of the things that built with me much was character. Yeah. Yeah. You feel me? And even in any job that you get in, any field you oh, get yeah. into, and they say that, you know, in terms of leadership's leadership qualities mm. one of the top one they look for is character character is like at the top trait mm -hmm. is having character integrity mm -hmm. and so i was into a field that you know you had to have good character yeah if you're going to serve people you need you, that's a that's a, a priority that yeah. you have good character that's how they're going to trust you exactly yeah you know what i mean so you know counseling with people talking speaking into people's souls mm -hmm. i mean that's, you don't take that light. That's big stuff. Most definitely. <laughs> That's big stuff. <laughs> I don't mess around with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so did you, did you start your mission trips coming out of Bethesda, or how did, how did you get to, or where did you go from Bethesda? You were 23, mm -hmm. 24, mm -hmm. and then what was your next move from there? Yeah. So uh, I, was in, I, was, I was in Bethesda up until about, um, around about 29. Okay. Okay. Oh, you, and wow. um, I started I started working in a ministry at that time it was called Riverwoods mm -hmm. Christian Center and Riverwoods was in partnership with a church called Willow Creek which you are familiar with yep. yep and Willow Creek had this connection out in the Dominican Republic yeah so um, they invited their different ministry partners to go with them to the Dominican Republic which is Santo Domingo the capital okay and they had invited us and they wanted to pick one of the staff members and like I think of like four other teams that mm -hmm. we worked with and I was happened to be the staff that was picked hmm. but this is an interesting thing that when we were there in the meeting our supervisor uh, Bob and we had several other community coordinators I was one of them and he said that one of you all will be picked we don't know who it is yet and when he said it I just felt this overwhelming peace 
mm. and just excitement. I, when I walked out of me, I said, "Man, I'm gonna be the one. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going it. to the Dominican Republic." Oh, so you was you was hyped already. I was hyped. Was ready. I was okay. hyped, and you haven't even made the decision yet. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone that sat around that table was was definitely qualified to go. They yeah. had the right. They were good employees, and they picked me to go. And when I went in '99, um, when I was there. I felt like the Lord impressed on my heart that I'd be coming back to that country. Mm. For He didn't tell me for how long yeah. or when it would be. I just had a peace that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to end up coming back to this country. Hmm. But I don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah. So that's kind of how that whole thing began. So you just went for one trip. Yeah. Short was like a, a month or something like that? Yeah, I went, I went that. I went just for one week in okay. 99. Then in 2000, a friend of mine who started his mission organization he approached me and he said, Roger, like, we're going to Dominican Republic for one year. Mm. And we'd love for you to go. I couldn't go for the whole year, but my job released me to go for two months. Okay. So I was there for two months. Okay. And in those two months, that's when I just got, I pretty much got hooked. I, yeah. knew that. I said, you know, I need to be coming back here. And you told him you ain't coming home. Yeah, I, 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 I stayed there. I came back. <laughs> I pretty much came back. I started packing up. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, I started packing up for real. Literally. Man. I started selling things in my house. Yeah. I started preparing myself to depart. And that was 2000. That was in 2000. So um, did you go back late 2000, 2001? I, I ended up going back in February of 2001. Okay. I resigned January 31st in 2001, which was my birthday. I mm. resigned on that day from <laughs> yeah. that job. And I went full-time into the mission field. Was that a scary moment for you? Big time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, growing up in our community, we don't, you know, we don't have a lot of missionary, black missionaries nah. coming up out of our community. No, nah, not you at all. You see what I mean? You not know, at all. You know, our community is our mission field. Right. And I understand right. And it's enough work. No, it's yeah. enough work to do here. You're talking <laughs> yeah. about going to Beirut. I got Beirut <laughs> right. in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that was definitely counterculture, yep. you know? So, um I had to go, I felt like, how am I going to raise support? Yeah. This is all new for me. Yeah. And I just started, I felt like the Lord put in my heart just to go to my friends and just people who know my character and yeah. know who I am. Yeah. And just let them know what you're doing and to see how well they can support me. Yeah. And I did just that, simply that. And mm. lo and behold, man, I was, you know, was able to raise support. I, was able, I got supported for almost six years being Dominican Republic. Wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's how it went, man. And I know we talked about it last time we saw each other. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of bad publicity about the DR right now. Correct. And I wanted you to speak on some of the some of the things you learned in the DR. Um, one in particular that I love that you talked about was some of the values that the people hold. Speak on that a little bit about the values the people of the DR really hold. Most definitely. First, you know, I just send my condolences to the families. Of course. That have... <clears throat> lost loved ones over there yeah. um, and I don't know all what's behind all that right. I think that a lot right. of most of the deaths was on resorts yeah I think. Yep. and um, so I send my condolences to them but in terms of my experience and what I experienced at the Dominican Republic first of all I didn't live on a resort yeah. I lived right where the people were at right. I lived right where the happening is at yeah. and I was entrenched in the culture and what was that Santa I, I lived in a, uh, actually a town called Harabacoa Harabakoa. Yeah, Harabakoa. You okay. got to just say it fast. Harabakoa. There you just go. Just you got to throw, throw, throw it out there. Don't try to sound <laughs> it out. <laughs> it don't sound crazy. You just got to sound it. Harabakoa. You just got to say it. Don't sound mad wild. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a while to get it, yeah. but I got it now. But um, anyways, um, I think that for Dominicans, man, so much I can say about the people and yeah. the culture and the land. 
Um, they are mixed people of Af- African ancestry, you mm-hmm. know, and Tainos mm-hmm. and Spaniard. Okay. And so they have a lot of rhythm, okay, mm-hmm. within them. You know, you have, you know, a lot of rhythm in their music, merengue, merengue, bachata, yep. yep. um, you got um, salsa, you got mm-hmm. a lot of the, the cultural music. Um, but in terms of Dominican, their culture, what stood out to me is their, their value on relationships. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You know, they're very relational people, yeah. very affectionate, very warm culture. Um, I told you once before, when yeah. you go and visit, you know, we go to these little stores in the community called Comados. Yeah. And you go there and you often have people hanging out in the stores, maybe playing dominoes outside mm. or just sitting out talking. And if someone walk in, they shake everybody's hand. Yeah. That's present. Yeah. And then they go to the person that's going to serve them, you know, their items, you know, purchase the items from then that person will ask them how they doing, how's their family, mm. you know, and Actually, then we get to the business. Show interest first. Exactly. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's the relationship was first. Yeah. People were, people were first. Yeah. You see what I mean? So I really value that. I really was impacted by that, mm. you know, and yeah. I, I, I try to adapt that to my life even today. Yeah. You see what I mean? My wife is Dominican. Okay. She's mm-hmm. from the land. She's native. Mm-hmm. And so I try to incorporate some of those values in, in my life as well yeah we talked about how out here we're so fast-paced we're so correct we go into a business it's not conversation yeah. and even if somebody do say how you doing they don't want to hear what you they don't necessarily want to hear how you doing this is a courtesy basically mm-hmm. and we don't have that relationship building correct like that and I, I felt that was something something very strong that you told me with that is I felt a connection to that. It made yes. sense. Right yes. when you said it, it made yes. sense. Like, yes. Yes. People should do that more often. People should do that more yeah. often. They should be yeah. more relational, care a little bit more. Most definitely. Talk to each other, communicate a little bit more. Yes. Before they start asking, what can I get from you? Most definitely. I'm here for that, what I need. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I love that. Love it, man. You know, when you look at it, that <clears throat> it's a way of really establishing your peace. You're bringing peace. Yeah. You know, you come into a room of people. That you may not know whoever, and you you just shake the hand. You just can't. How you doing? You know, just kind of shake the hand, introduce yourself to them. You're establishing your peace, yep. and you are honoring as well. Yeah. Because I believe if you're an honorable person, honors people. Yeah. You know, so I, that's what I really love about it. Because you're bringing your peace. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming to you know bring violence. I'm not coming to right. bring division. Right. I'm coming to bring my peace, mm-hmm. and that's what I bring, and that's what I leave. So what did you do? What was your mission while you were in the DR? I um I worked with the church, but um we, they had the church had a school specifically. It's called Kaleo de Timoteo, the School of Timothy, and this school here was specifically geared towards kids who lived in very impoverished communities. Okay, and it was, they were all boys. Yeah, ages from about a nine up to about fifteen, sixteen years old. Mm. And I started working in that school. Yeah, with a good friend of mine named Juan Alberto. He asked me if I'd come and work with him. He was. Him and his wife founded the school. Nice. So I came in, my Spanish, I really I didn't know any Spanish. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what can I do? And he knew I was very athletic and everything. So he had me work in PE with the kids. So I would do PE and yeah. basketball, football, whatever. So I'm still doing sign language and stuff. Yeah. Like, hey, well, you know, kind of dope pass, hey, you know, run, you know, whatever. You know, we, we figured it out, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, so I came in really as a PE teacher. Hmm. Okay. And... Um, then as my Spanish started to improve, which I learned from the kids, yeah. that um, I started being like a monitor. I was more like a mentor, more like um, a supervisor. Okay. You know what I mean? Kind of a big brother kind of yeah. thing. You know? And yeah. I was able to really speak more into their life and help them. Yeah. That's what I did. I worked in the school, man. And then oh. also, you know, man, my wife and I, we had a small group in our home. Okay. You know, um, 
full of young people. We worked with the young people as well. Yeah. Um, we had a small group that met in our home. It was live, man. What it was, was live. What was the um, What was the main goal with the with the small group? Yeah. What did you What did you all want to accomplish there? Confidence small group. We definitely we we shared you know um, the teachings of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, so we want to build um, people up spiritually. Yeah. But also we build community. We do life together. Yeah. You know, so that was different. We always had a little meal or something to eat. We fellowship. Once again, it's yeah. about the people. Yeah. We fellowship. We mm-hmm. talk. Even after our little teaching, people would linger around. We'd talk. We'd throw some music on. Yeah. We may do some dancing, um, interact with each other. And then when, when it get done, you know, you know, dishes and stuff all done, the people, man, they would clean your house up. Mm. See what I mean? Yeah. You no, know, here, man, come, they eat your food and oh, everything. They, they, they leave, you left with a mess. <laughs> My lady be looking around sometimes yeah. like, yeah. Uh, can they get in Yeah, there? no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but there, there they wouldn't let you. Because mm. I would go over and I would start, because I wanted to cuss, so I would go down and start doing the dishes. Yeah. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. They, 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 they said, no, you don't touch anything. Wow. They would clean your house, man, and leave it spotless clean, man. Wow. So we had good fellowship, good word, good fellowship, doing life together, and then they clean your house, man. Man, <laughs> you, can't, you can't, can't beat, beat that. that, man. Can't you know beat what I mean? that. Yeah, it's, I swear, just what you talking about it—they just sound like wonderful people. I, I, oh, I just want to go. I just want to walk the streets, and I know my wife felt the same way. Most definitely, just walk the streets, actually get into the culture. Yes, speak to some older people. We love yes. doing that, just to Good. get some wisdom on life. Yeah, and I feel like that sounds like one of those places where you yeah. really get a, a better understanding on how to live. Yes. And I would say, you know, also, Jive, is that I hear a lot of people here from America say, yeah. oh, I've been to the Dominican Republic, and I always, before they get it out of their mouth, I say, oh, you went to Punta, Punta Cana. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, how do you know? Well, most Americans go to Punta Cana, right. and it's a beautiful place. I've been yeah. there. Beautiful beaches. However, I don't think that you really have, you get a chance to in, to experience the culture unless you come up out of the resorts. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You come to where the, the real life is at. Because you see all of it on the way to the resort. Most when you're on your taxi, you yeah. see all the you see, property. You see, you see all, yeah, yeah. where the real streets are. You see Most all definitely. that. And then you drive into the gates. Just, yeah. And, and yeah. now you're getting this big, beautiful place. Exactly. But this big, beautiful place. On the place. way to it, we saw the same thing. Yeah. In Jamaica, we saw that. Right. In Mexico, we saw that. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So, you know, that's why I try to encourage. And um, like any other place, mm-hmm. even here in America, there's dangerous plot spots. Yep. There's p- places that you don't want to go. Yeah. You want to be careful. You know, you can go to, you know, even in this area, you know, yeah. and where we live at, yeah. you know, and um, in Chicago area and in the suburbs, places you got to be careful, right? Yep. So that's Absolutely. the same in the DR as well. So Absolutely. I'm not going to paint this picture as though that, you know, you just go there, as, you know, you have to be careful. Yeah. It's good to go with an insider, though. Yeah. Go with another Dominican to be your guy. They speak Spanish. They speak Spanish. <laughs> know the land. You know what I mean? Know the layout of the land. Don't go there. Hey, I got this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, <laughs> Trust me when they're, I say that. I'll point I, you I, out. I tell you from experience. <laughs> Trust me. I'm not just telling you anything. I've, I've seen things happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think kids need most nowadays? Let's, well, let's start with the U.S. What do you think they need most? Young people? Yeah. Now, you're saying just any young person. Yeah. Regardless. Well, let's have you start here. Where do you think they struggle the most? And then what's something that we can do to kind of help them get over that hump? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I work with a lot of young people right. in my job. Right. You know, that's why I work. I work with a lot of youth teens. And I heard a man once made a, a statement that um, he said, our kids don't need more textbooks. They need more text lives. Hmm. And simply saying that they need more examples. 
Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Our kids don't even need more information. Oh, they got it all. Because they have it. They have yeah. it in the palm of their hand. Yeah. yeah. They don't need more information. They need more data. Yeah. They need, they need more examples. Yeah. Very true. You know what I'm saying? Very of true. The way, the way that I'm trying to point them to go, I am to show them that way through my life. Mm. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Yeah. But trying to live that yeah. out before them. Because kids, you know, you, you're fake. You know, and, and you, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah, You're not really genuine. They'll point you out. They'll point you out, yeah. man. They don't take you serious. Yeah. See what I'm saying? They, yeah. they, they, look, they just look over you. Yeah. But when you're sincere and, and genuine in who you are, I think the kids will respect you more. Mm. And then they can hear what you say. They say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I like that. I See like what I mean? That. Yeah. Oh, it's not yeah. about them. I'm trying to get them to know what I know. Yeah. They want to know, do you care? Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Are you going to still be here? Are you going to still be there? Or are you going to be another one that leaves? Exactly. And just, now I'm on my own again. Exactly. And that's across the board. Yeah. That's across the board. All ethnicities, whatever, that's across the board. I know one thing I think kids struggle with is identity. Good one. Um, They look to their cell phone and they see a life that they want. And then they see a bunch of people portraying a life those people may not even have yeah. but they see the reaction that the people are getting from it yeah. so now they're equating perception <clears throat> to glory or to gotcha. to rising up gotcha. um, how can we help kids get a better identity of who they are and not look to a cell phone to tell them who they are mm-hmm. what can we do there well life and death is in the power of the tongue yeah so it's, it's yeah. what we speak to them, yeah. what we say to them. Mm. You see what I mean? So open communication. Just open communication constant. because a lot of our kids even got, even got their head down, yeah. they got their ears plugged. Yeah. So it affects social skills. Mm. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. So a lot of our kids are struggling with eye-to-eye kind of contact, you yeah. know, in engagement, engaging another human being. Yeah. You see what I mean? It's really simple. Yeah. You know, man, it's about them getting back to their humanity. There's a place for this. We know that. Right. You know, and we need that. It's, right. it's, 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 I think it's a blessing in many Absolutely. ways. Absolutely. But anything going too far can become a curse, right? Absolutely. So I think that, um, I, I tell you, case in point, um, you know, I'm a father, mm-hmm. you know, and one day I had my daughter in my hands, I'm in my arms like this, and the light reflection kind of, shine on my eyes and she would, she looked me in my eyes and she kind of like and she said daddy I see me she see me through the reflection of my eyes she yeah. said I see me and that touched me because they say that kids build their their identity and self-esteem is built through when the parents and the fathers give their kids eye-to-eye contact hmm. see what I'm saying yeah so she said she saw herself that was just an indication that she Identity was being built. Hmm. You follow me? Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> so it's something like about that 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 eye to eye contact, not that stare down kind of contact. Right, you know right, what I'm right. Yeah, just keep look at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just that eye contact. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to learn that more and more. Yeah, yeah. But what do you feel is a is a core or or a necessity to building a great family? Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I'm no expert. But um, yeah. I think that um, 
Definitely love mm-hmm. and forgiveness. Hmm. Two words. Love and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness. My, the greatest goal, the greatest call in life is to love. Yeah. And then to forgive. I actually saw some today, they, and they asked, what is love? Yeah. And one person said it was doing what needs to be done, even though it may not necessarily be like a right Got thing. Got you. Got you. And he, he referenced it. Or... It may not be a nice thing. He referenced it to somebody being in war Correct. and someone having like a, a, a hurt leg. And you as your, his war mate know if you don't lose that leg, you're going to bleed out. You're going to die. Correct. So I'm going to go ahead and take your leg off out of love. Correct. It's not something nice, gotcha. but you know it's a place of love. Correct. And I thought that was pretty deep to wow. where love isn't just like a am hugging you. I'm, gra- I'm giving you grace. I'm right. showing compassion. It's, right. it's truth. It's true. It's good. always picking truth over everything else. That's it's, good. It's man. doing what's supposed to be done, Very good. even if it's not the easy thing to do. Very good. Yeah. That, I like when you say that, man. Yeah. Even not the easy thing to do, because love is a decision. Oh, absolutely. You know, 100%. If, if you can't base it on emotion, because your emotions always moving. They change. It changes, right? Yeah, change with the season. But <laughs> it's a decision. Yeah. It's a decision, and, and that's what you got to base it. I'm, I, I, decide, I made a decision to love you, and it's unconditional. Yeah. It's not based on what... Okay, if you act a certain way, you be a certain way, then I'm going to love you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love you in spite of. Mm-hmm. Then forgiveness is that people are going to offend you. Yeah. People are going to disappoint you. I've disappointed my wife many times. My mm-hmm. wife have disappointed me. My kids have disappointed me. I've disappointed my kids. Yeah. I've disappointed people I've worked with. You know, the list goes on, correct? Yeah. yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. So that's going to happen in life. And what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that offense? Yeah. And to forgive is that you lose yourself. You literally free yourself from the offense mm-hmm. and you don't hold that towards that person. Right. So it's not consuming your mind. It's not consuming you. Because if there's no forgiveness, there's no future. Because unforgiveness will hold you to the past. Yeah. What that person did to you. You got to keep bringing it, it keeps, up. And you stuck in the past. Yeah. So, yeah. so forgiveness gets you past your past. Mm. I like that. That's very <laughs> true. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's so I would say love and forgive. Mm. And just keep living. And keep living, man. And you, you know, and there's, of course, there's other, all type of ways that's lived out. For sure. But, um, you know, in family, man, that, that, those are two things that, you know, we try to stress. What's one thing that you learned from becoming married or from getting married? What did you learn about yourself that you needed to change that you necessarily wasn't even focusing on it didn't even notice at first very good because like something with me i'll give you time to just think about something something with me um, good time. i uh i wasn't big with emotions i i, I didn't cry a lot i got cried a handful of times right. i didn't do a lot of you yeah. know pouting and, and let's go over the issue over and over gotcha. i'm one like all right this is the problem all right this is the solution okay. let's skip all the in-between stuff because we still got to work on the solution anyway and I learned from my wife that it's okay to be in those moments. It's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to just be hurt for a minute. It's Got fine. Because it. I didn't even want to be hurt. I don't know if that's me just thinking I needed to be a man. Like, I need to man up all the time or whatnot. But right. I didn't even want to show that I might have been hurt about something. And that's something big that I learned about myself is to kind of open up a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, what's something that you might have learned? Very good. Yeah. I was very similar because us 
we men at times we're very private about our emotions. Oh, yeah. We're private about what we feel. And coming into marriage, I, I was very much like that. You know, very kind of closed, introvert. You mm -hmm. know, hold things in. And my wife is the opposite. You know, and I would say that in a good way. You know, yeah. she knows how to communicate her feelings. Yeah, communicate what's concerning her. Um, even to this day, much better than I do. Yeah. And by me watching her and hearing her communicate like that, have helped me that I have to, I can't be holding things in. Yeah. I have to learn how to talk about it. Yeah. Um, stress my frustrations, you know, talk about things that pain that's hurtful. Right, right. So that was huge for me, man, mm -hmm. um, really coming out. You know, and I think mm -hmm. also my wife um, in marriage that, you know, and I prayed, I don't know, I, I hope that I've been a blessing to her too, but I know that my wife have helped me to kind of come out of my shell in a sense. In Dominican culture, they, even though they're believers, they still embrace their cultural expression. Hmm. I mean, they don't forsake their dance. They don't, forsake, they don't forsake, you know, their expression in terms of, you know, their celebration. Yeah, yeah. And I saw how that when I became a believer, I kind of like started disconnecting myself to a certain degree from the culture that helped form me. Mm. Feel me? So when I saw that in them as believers, them still embracing their culture, but yet people who feared God and had a loving relationship with God, that I was like, wow, how much more of my culture that I have not, that I have kind of like abandoned. Yeah. That I'm talking about the good of it, not the yeah. broken. I'm talking about the yeah, good yeah, stuff. Yeah. And me being in a relationship with her, I was starting to learn in that. Like, man, you know, like, I need to appreciate what has helped form me, helped shape me, mm -hmm. even when I was a kid coming up. That, yeah. was, that was affirming, and that was good. Not the bad, right. but that was affirming, and that was good. But were you in a place to where once you made that decision to change and, and conform, did you feel like you had to just cut everything off? Like, did you associate everything with how you felt in that moment? Like... I'm 17, my life isn't where I want it to be. Mm -hmm. So that means everything I'm doing over here is causing my life to not be this way. So in order for me to be over on this side, I got to cut off everything. Yeah, it, I did. Yeah. I did. I almost became a monk. <laughs> I was almost a black monk. Yeah. Around there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm serious, man. Like, I, I went in. Yeah. I went in, bro. Oh, and um, So I disconnected myself <laughs> from a whole lot, man. I mean, wow. I went in and... um. And I look back and I say, why did I go? In? Why did I go in so deep and disconnect myself so far? Yeah. And part of it, I think it was, you know, immaturity and ignorance, but um, also, also, I think that it was a part of my survival at that time. Yeah. Because what was going on in my community at that time, it's almost like you. It was no middle ground. Mm -hmm. You either gonna be all in this yeah. or all in this. Mm. You feel me? So mm -hmm. I had to. I had to immerse myself in it to survive, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a survival mechanism yeah. in, the, in the environment in which I live. Huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't like kind of... Couldn't teeter time. No, okay. I couldn't teeter time, yeah. man. And then as I got mature and got older, then I was able to drop back and look and be able to discern yeah. some of those things that, wow, you know what? I still can engage that yeah. and appreciate that. And don't have to be doing something that's negative that's and right. condemning people. Follow me? Yep, that's so, right. Yep. I'm, and I'm learning that more and more as I get older to where it's, yeah. 
you you control you, you control what you do in those environments. Right. Because that might be the environment you need to be in to speak to the person that God wants you to speak to. Correct. And that's yeah, I, I completely get that. Yeah. Um so coming in <laughs> coming out, so DR six years. Yeah. Um where did the crossing culture come into play? Mm. Crossing culture, man, I think that um crossing culture is a combination of my life experience, yeah. experiences that I've experienced since I was a kid, and the way I'm gifted. Mm. It's like this convergence. Yeah. Okay? All that I've experienced in my life, all the way up until this point in my life, yeah. have collided with the way that I've been gifted. Yeah. And at that convergence, I saw that much of my life, life experiences has been... I've been in places where I've been a minority, mm-hmm. or I've had to adjust, to adapt, yep. to understand, yep. code switching, you know. And um, I went to a school that was predominant, you know, Anglo-Americans. And I lived in a community of predominant black, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I've been to, um, uh, then I went to Dominican Republic, you know, different places yeah. that where I had to adapt i had to, almost like i had to learn things yeah. that i did not learn you know coming up in my own culture absolutely so um crossing culture came about you know when i came off the mission field yeah in um 07 and after that i had um went to college i went back to my college i went there got my master's degree back in um actually i completed in 2016 and when I got my degree in mass and in intercultural studies, then I was like, you know, what am I going to do with this? Right. Okay. How am I going to use this to, to help people and serve people, but, but also, you know, I can establish a business with it. Yeah. And then that's how, you know, this whole idea of crossing culture, whereas I want to be able to help people who are in diverse settings. Yeah. How could you better connect and build relationships with people who from different culture backgrounds? Yeah. So I use a lot of my life experiences. Yeah, you got and, to. Uh, you know, of course, knowledge and, you know, my academic piece. But um, that's kind of how it came about. So what would you say is important in preserving your culture then? I think, uh, I think in, in preserving our culture, I think that um, within every culture, there's values. Right. Every culture have, a, have values. And the values that affirm life. Mm-hmm. Okay. You preserve that. Mm-hmm. Okay? The values that affirms life. Values that um, affirms respect for, the, uh, for humanity. Yeah. That, that, that affirms honor. That affirms relationship. Those values you preserve. Yeah. Okay? Now, um, I think that every value could, can go any two different directions. Values that are clothed in humility put you in a position where you can be more, much more flexible and mm-hmm. you can, I, now I can learn from you. Yeah. I can learn things from you. You can learn things from me. Yeah. I'm not so rigid in my values where I cannot learn from someone else. Mm. Values that are clothed in pride, it says that this is the way I do it and, it's, and I, I try to set myself as being superior to you. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? I mean, you can't tell me nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Your values are beneath me. Mm. I, can't learn, you, I can't learn nothing from you, but you can <laughs> learn something from me. Mm. You're more rigid in your value. You, 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 there's no bend, no flexibility in yeah. you. See what I'm saying? So in preserving your value, you must be humble. 
and also must be values that affirm life. Hmm. So is that what you bring to companies or bring to organizations that want you to come in and talk to them? You try to give them principles like that? I give them principles like that because definitely if they're in a setting where there's diverse people, correct? Yeah. And there's people that come with their culture. And how could you build an environment where those people with those various cultures are feeling appreciated? Right. They're feeling included. Right. And not excluded. You know what I mean? Right. Um, You know, if there's a certain culture that's being dominant, and then the other ones, the other cultures are being suppressed, then I come in, I have to address that. Yeah. And how can we make them feel just as important as everyone else mm. within the organization? And what I can actually see happening is someone having um, some preconceived stereotypes in their mm. minds when they come into a, a setting that then makes them think, well, my values aren't what that stereotype is. Correct. So now I'm better than them, so they should actually learn from me. Correct. Uh, what are some of those stereotypes that you've run into recently that's still out there, that you still hear, that you still see, that that you've probably been addressing recently? Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's a lot of them. First of all, let me say something about stereotypes. Yeah. Stereotypes are incomplete stories. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's, it's an assumption that you form about somebody mm-hmm. or a group of people and um, it's, it's only an assumption. It's something that, that's very incomplete. Yeah. And then you form these conclusions about them that are not true. Um, I'll give you a case in points. I, I was in a meeting at one time, and this particular um, individual said that they feared men of color. Mm. They actually feared them. Yeah. It's a white lady. She feared men of color. And I was like, why is that? You know, yeah. give me more. Yeah. And pretty much what it was is that what they perceived of men of color is what they saw by way of the media. And it was violence and crime yeah. and very aggressive yeah. and hard. Yeah. Uh, not, a, not approachable. Yeah. So in their line of work, they, when they had to encounter that people of, of such, they, um, they feared. They had a sense of fear. Mm. So when we started talking, I said, like, you know me. What's your perception of me? Yeah. You know, yeah. Bring have it, I come bring across it home like a that? Bit. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a man of color. Yeah. <laughs> have I come across like, well, no, no, what well, that's a that's a quite that's an example. We all are not like that. That's there right. are people like that, but everyone, you can't put everyone in that that shit in that boat. Right. And once someone gets to I'm I'm guessing this lady was a little higher in age, maybe, yeah. you know, forties, fifties. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a possibility of change at that point? Mentally, I think it would take time, but I think it is. It's mm. hope for anyone. Yeah. Once they make a decision that they want to change. Yeah. You know, it's definitely hope. But there's some things that've been processed in, and they got to be processed yeah. out. Yeah. You know, and that can come with time. Right. You know, so that that person, I would encourage them to build relationships with people, the very people that you fear, uh-huh. seek to build relationships with them. And as you build a relationship with them, that stereotype, that mindset that you have towards them, it's going to start changing. Absolutely. And I can say you want, let me tell you something about Dominicans real quick. Yeah. The stereotype. Some people have a stereotype about Dominicans. They would say that um, all Dominicans just want to get a visa and come to the United States. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a stereotype out there. Really? Yeah, they just want to get a visa and come to the United States and, you know, and live the American dream. Okay, listen here. 
I've been to Dominican Republic. Yeah. <laughs> and there are Dominicans who love their country. I was going to say, it's love their like, culture. It's like they love what they Love their people. <laughs> Feel me? Yeah. And, but there are people, too, that want to get out of there. Of course. Okay? Yeah. For a number of reasons. Yeah. But when you say, when you start saying every time you see a Dominican and that pops up in your head, oh, they just trying to, you know, get to the United States. Yeah. You have a stereotype. Mm. You know what I mean? And you just formed an assumption about a group of people that's not totally true. Wow. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> see, I don't know. I don't know much about the Dominican Republic people or the Dominican people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm basically been learning from what you've been telling me, and yeah. everything I'm hearing, I'm loving what I'm loving what I'm hearing, and Most it's definitely. making me want to go and visit the place. Most definitely, yeah. So to think that they just want to get out of there doesn't even make sense to me, and I ain't never even been there. Correct, correct. <laughs> so they seem like they got to kind of figure it out. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, Can I throw another one in real quick, John? Yeah, absolutely. That. Another one that, because we live in, in America, we got pretty much the world have come to us. Yeah. We got people here from all around the world. Absolutely. Pretty much so. Yeah. So, if a person is speaking English and they have a strong accent, okay, whether it be a Hispanic, whether it be from India, yeah. Russia, Russia, whatever, they're strong. Yeah. So, they, yeah. the English not real good, you know, because the accent is real strong. Yeah. Sometimes, us Americans, we can look at, look at that and we can perceive that person as being ignorant. Mm. Without even... Exactly. Putting the words to it. Exactly. And not knowing that very person in their country, in their language, they may be a doctor. They right. may be a lawyer. Yeah. They may be highly educated. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I never even put that together, but that makes sense. It does. It definitely makes sense. We think if they're struggling with the English language, yeah. then they might not have it all together. Ex- yes. Which is stereotype. Exterior. Once again. <laughs> See? See? See you can I mis- might be guilty of some stereotypes on here. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? So yeah. you you degrade them in terms of you you um you think less of them in terms of their intelligence level. You yeah. think them lesser, mm-hmm. and they can be a very highly intelligent individual. Wow, that's cool, man. <laughs> I know from experience. I lived there. I right. I was tumbling over my Spanish, and I felt I felt so humbled. I was like, wow. And, and that kind of speaks to how you integrated yourself with the with the people of there how did you how you actually got to where they was like all right you want a bus yeah. yeah well first of all i married a dominican mm-hmm. okay so i'm married into the culture right okay yeah, so yeah. you know they they there okay <laughs> all of our friends you know so um they would come over and hang out and um i lived also within the community yeah you know with the people, I went to their stores. Yeah. I shopped at their stores. Yeah. Um, when um, there was, at times we live in a community where the electricity will go out. I like our electricity will go out too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes running water went out and ours, we didn't have running water. Mind blo- okay. That's mind-boggling to okay. me to where they can just shut it off at yeah. any time in the whole in city. just exactly. be without water until yeah. they decide to turn it back on. Yeah, yeah, unless you have a generator. Yeah, and some people had a generator, uh, you know, and those kind of things, um, wow. inverter. But I lived among the people. I didn't yeah. live in an excluded place yeah. where you know certain people live, gated community or what yeah. have you. I lived right there among them. Mm. So I was immersed in the culture, literally. I didn't know no Spanish, yeah. but I was immersed in the culture, immersed in the language. And as I said, I went and played basketball with the guys. Um, I knew guys in the streets. Um, 
I knew people in different places, you know, yeah. building relationships. I walked all the time. Yeah. I would walk to church, walk down, the walk. I was always walking, mm. always walking. And people were always out. Wow. So I was, I was feeling it. I was, <laughs> I was taking it all in. I was breathing it all in. I was breathing yeah. it in. Every day I was breathing it in. And uh, actually, yeah, I'll have you tell it real quick. If, if you want to. <laughs> Go ahead, tell me. The story about when you did drive. One of the few times, and you end up getting into the accident with yeah. the guy. Yes, I did. But it's a story of favor, though. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, break that story down. I'll break it down for yeah. you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. My wife and I, I think my daughter was with us, too. Uh, we was coming back from shopping. You know, we went to the big city to get some, some groceries. We're coming down the road, and in the DR, there's a lot of people, little motorcycles, little scooters yeah. in the streets. And you got to be careful, you know, because they, they, they come from different directions at that time. And I lost track as I'm driving, and I hit a guy from behind. Yeah. And I stopped, pulled over, and um, immediately I got out to see if the guy was okay. Right. You know what I mean? And um, he was alive, but he did, you know, get a scar. You know, he, he had hit his head. And um, so I'm just kind of like, wow, man, you know, um, Police came. People yeah. called the police immediately. <laughs> so the police came. Oh, you know, the board home. Hey, you know, you, you. You know, they called me, pointed me out, and, hey, don't go nowhere. And <laughs> so they got me, man, and uh, pretty much I took me in. Mm. And, you know, yeah, I was in jail, man. <laughs> I was in jail. <laughs> so here it is. I'm in jail in the DR, and everybody that I knew in the town, friend-wise, they was trying to talk to the officers about, hey, you need to release him. And, yeah. man, they was they was – they was um, sold on the fact that, you know, he's not getting out. Mm. And he was pretty much selling this sad story to me. They say, Roger, you know, they let me know, hey, this guy, he may, he may not live. And, oh, man. Man, I was just like, <laughs> oh, man, I ain't going to never get out of here, man. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm in jail for I'm, real. I'm gone, gone. I'm, I'm gone. I'm like, get it, man. You know, so they tried everybody. I seen dudes coming there, man. I thought for sure, yeah, he going he gonna to get me out yeah. to no avail. Finally, the, the judge of the city yeah. came. Somebody, somebody had called her up. Take in mind that this judge, I had, um, she had married us legally, mm-hmm. but she had came to one of my friend's church one time. He had a gathering, and he invited me to speak, mm. and she was present. Yeah. Um, I spoke, and I just prayed over her, and, and the Lord really blessed her. And I didn't think much of it. Yeah. But she was really impacted by just how God blessed her. She comes in there, and all the guys stood up like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Everything is coming out. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And she told them, she said, Do you know who this man is? And he's kind of like, Yeah, this dude. They told him to give him a rundown what I did. Yeah. She's like, This man has been a blessing to my life. Mm-hmm. And he's been a blessing to many people in this town. And she's like, you need to release him. I will take care of this case. Mm. And man, at that very moment, I was out of there. <laughs> wow. I was out of there, bro. Man, that's favor so the right judge there. judge of the city, man. <laughs> that's that's set favor free, right man. there. Most definitely, man. Her name was Nancy, man. Yeah. And I, I was just so appreciative, man. And she was just so grateful that she was in a position to be able to help me like that. Because like, you know, you've blessed me 
I want to help you. I love it. Yeah, man. man don't I forget it, man. I told my wife that story as soon as I got home. I was like, yo, this is a favor. Oh, I need this in my life right now. Oh, man. No doubt, man. I never forget it, man. That's never forget cool. it, man. That's cool. Oh, man. yeah. Man, <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to add in with crossing culture? Did we miss anything? Um, yeah, man, just um, crossing culture. You know, know where to find me, right? You know, yeah. You can find me on, on LinkedIn, Roger Simmons. You can find me on um, um, Facebook, Crossing Culture, yeah. or my Facebook page. Um, you can find me there, and um, you know, if you you want to be reached. Um, be able to talk to you in person about what I do. Yeah. I like to do an assessment yeah. because I like to, the purpose of the assessment, so I can, I don't, I want to scratch what people itch. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to come into any organization yeah. and to just be, you know, Got a thinking, blueprint yeah, I know what you're going to do. You know, yeah, I'm going to fix everybody. Yeah. But I want to really know what are your, where are you at in this journey of cultural competency? What areas do you know you want to be strengthened in? And then we can be able to put together a training and a plan mm-hmm. to be able to, be customized and to help you, you know, where you need it the most. Right. Just that's it, bro. Hit right at home. Right at home. I hit right at home. Man. Real talk. Well, just to finish us off, man, I got a quick five questions. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to go real deep into it, but mm-hmm. I just ask for your truth. So that's all I need. No doubt. Uh, number one, selfishly, what's important to you? Relationships. Mm. And that's family, friends. Yeah. I value relationships that's very important to me love it uh, and i know so number two i know being great comes at a cost uh, yeah. being great at anything so what what's something that has cost you something that has cost me yeah <laughs> oh something that has cost me um living overseas I left everything. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I um I sold everything. Um when I moved overseas. I uh, had my family here. Yeah. But it cost me leaving my family, you know, left my mom. Yeah. And um everything that I was comfortable with and that I knew. Mm. You know, it cost me. You know, I had to leave all that. Yeah. You do it again in a heartbeat, you? Most definitely. It, it changed yeah. my life. Yeah. It changed my life for the good. Uh, number three, what's something small that bothers you? Like a pet peeve almost. <laughs> Probably um, um, a disorganized house. Mm-hmm. I can see that. My wife's the same way. Yeah. You same know, way. That, that, that's kind of my wife knows that too. No matter how just, late. Yeah. You know, if I'm even, I come home from work, not saying my wife is, you know, messy or anything, but if there's things that are kind of out of place and I'm, I'm right at it, trying yeah. to put it all. You know, yep. and um, sometimes I go too far with it, but that's, that, 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 <laughs> yeah. those things kind of get under my skin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what would be your motto for life if you had to sum it up into one sentence? A motto of life? Yeah. Sum it up in one sentence. A motto of life uh, would be in right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. right relationship with the people that you love I like that so it's pretty much the vertical and the horizontal yeah you know what I mean I like that that's it right there in a nutshell that's yeah. the that's the mega commandment and then last question yeah um, one sentence that you will want the world to say about you 
when you're gone. That I, I sought to be a man of humility and originality. Hmm. Yeah. I was teachable and that I was not afraid to be who I am in my own skin. Roger Simmons, <laughs> I appreciate you, sir. I'll have his links all up. Y'all go check him out, Crossing Culture, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. You'll see all the links all over the place, man. It's a great dude right here. And y'all know I don't vouch for nothing that I don't believe in. This is a great man right here. So check him out, man. Thank you again. For you, got it, you got it, bro. You got it. We'll catch y'all later.